0: Welcome to Table Talk, the last Table Talk of 2021, and a very seasonal and yet a very important topic at least. I think it's important. We're going to talk with complete honesty about Santa. Now, if you have small children listening to this in the background, while they're hanging up their Christmas stockings at the fireplace, this may just be a good time to usher them out of the room, although it may be better for their souls to actually let them listen. Anyway, you have been warned. After all, I'm Bob McAvoy, the anti Santa, and this is the Semper Reformata podcast. Now, before we begin, an act of disclosure from me. I think it's best to be honest and upfront about our past activities and practices as some of our more prominent politicians have recently discovered to their cost. Let me relate my own experiences with Santa. As a child I was taught that if I didn't behave myself, Santa would bring me just a lump of coal. That is, we call that child abuse. So that was alright, I never really thought that highly of the man. And when our children were young, like so many parents, we took them along to see Santa in the shopping centres and department stores and we didn't at all discourage them from believing in him. After all, in our church that we attended at the time, it would have had Sunday school parties with games and buns, and a suitable, fat, jolly Santa at the end, the culmination of the party, when all the children would receive their presents. Even the strictest of churches, uh, with its strict ethos of head coverings and A.V. Bibles, still had its annual visit from Santa. In Randallstown, with the children growing up a wee bit, I became a wee bit more sceptical. I began to wonder about the wisdom of allowing children to believe in the big red Santa. In the Christian bookshop that we owned at the time, I was impressed when a young man from one of the local Presbyterian churches, who was in to choose books as Christmas presents for the children, told me that the teachers of each class would give the children their party presents. with no santa present i tried to curtail the santa visits in the local church there that's when i earned that nickname the anti-santa in 2002 i moved to belfast i was shocked when i saw how much santa was idolized in the local church huge santa masks adorned the walls during december santa's delivered presents to every organisation and when I asked about this invasion of idolatry I was told by one of the women, oh Mr McAvoy, we just love Santa here. I decided to speak on the subject at a Bible study. I did it in January actually so that I couldn't be accused of ruining their Christmas festivities but the tactic was pointless. I was openly laughed at. One person criticised a sermon I'd preached before Christmas When the topic of the sermon, the subject of the sermon, was how Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, could you not have talked about something a bit more Christmassy than that? So, okay, I've come clean. I've made my confession. Now, let's see what the Bible says about Santa. Now, we all know what Santa looks like, don't we? We know who he is and what he does, right? Right. He's a rather rotund man. We, I suppose we could say obese, but that would maybe be unkind. He's got a big happy smile and a long white beard, a long flowing mane of grey hair, a big old friendly grandfather figure who's just full of fun and laughter and just likes to be nice to everybody. Actually, come to think of it, apart from the obesity bit, He's probably pretty much what a lot of people think God looks like, and that's really worrying. But he dresses in red for some reason. There's a story that he used to dress in much less colourful attire, but that a large American soft drinks company with strange-shaped red bottles dressed up the Santa in red to look like one of their bottles to increase sales. Now, while I wouldn't put that past them, I've absolutely no idea if it's true. Certainly it is the case that Santa only turned red in the early 1900s. Santa comes to us on Christmas Eve everywhere. He climbs down our chimneys and illegally enters our houses and leaves gifts for small children who allegedly have been good all year. And he does that by means of a sleigh towed by flying reindeers. It's all much of a myth, isn't it? But is Santa just as innocent as he seems? I've sometimes heard his name pronounced as Satan's claws. There may be an element of truth in that. Santa's origins are shrouded in mystery. Some associate him with Saint Nicholas of Myra and we'll talk about him a little later. Nicholas may have been an innocent enough origin for Santa but there are other more darker contributions to the Santa myth and they come from Norse mythology. It's no accident that Santa lives somewhere up north, at the North Pole or in Lapland. Santa may even have been a Viking. One of the old Norse or Viking false gods was Odin, the so-called old man of Yule, who at the pagan festival of Yule celebrated around the winter solstice, would travel around the world, sometimes walking, sometimes riding a horse called Sleepnir, with eight legs. Santa has eight reindeers. And the Norse god Thor, the one that carries the hammer, he was the fire god and there's plenty of similarities there too. Thor was depicted as an old man. Full of fun and friendly, a man who loved children, whose favourite colour was red, and he rode in a chariot pulled by two goats, and he lived in the North, possibly the North Pole. He never harmed anyone. He always protected them and gave them gifts. And in Scandinavia, fireplaces and homes were dedicated to Thor, who descended down the chimney. After all, he was the god of fire. All that led one internet author and blogger to quip the unusual and common characteristics of Santa and Thor are far too close to ignore. So Santa's really an amalgam. A flux of personalities and legends from church history, from pagan religions and clever marketing strategies, and even from the fertile mind of an American poet who wrote Twas the Night Before Christmas. Sure, we all know Santa's not real. What harm can it do to give the kids a little bit of magic and sparkle once a year? After all, we tell them fairy stories about Hansel and Gretel and about the cow that jumped over the moon and so on. But Santa is different. It's an insidious and an evil myth. And there's really two reasons why. And the first reason is that Santa the myth presents himself as a counterfeit of God. And secondly, that... What we teach our kids about Santa is suspiciously like a religion. Let's look at that for a moment. You see, I think Santa looks and sounds too much like a god. Let's see how Santa imitates and masquerades as a deity. First of all, Santa is eternal. I mean, there's always been a Santa, hasn't there? And apparently there always will be. That's what we're taught. Santa endures from generation to generation. My parents learned about Santa from their parents and they taught it to me. And we taught it to our children and they have taught it to theirs. Santa just goes on and on and on. He is, to coin a phrase, from everlasting to everlasting. Now that's a myth that looks a lot like the one true God. Because in Psalm 90 verse 2 we're taught that jehovah the real god before the mountains was brought forth or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting thou art god but not only is santa eternal he is also immutable santa never seems to change my santa is the santa of my grandparents and the same santa of my grandchildren and we live in a changing world i mean doctor who is now a woman To keep up with the times, of course, James Bond, that pinnacle of heterosexual masculinity, that cunning old rascal, is now to be a politically correct, gender-neutral person. Santa doesn't change. Santa is always Santa. But only God is truly unchanging and unchangeable. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, we're taught, I am the Lord, I change not. Santa is eternal, and he is immutable, and he is omnipresent. Isn't Santa amazing? On Christmas Eve, in the space of a few hours, Santa is everywhere in the whole world. He's in Russia, and Africa, and Australia, and America, and England, and he's right there in your home. Everywhere that there are children, Santa is there. I repeat, that's a myth that looks a lot like the one true God. Jeremiah 23, verse 23. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God far off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? God is everywhere. We can't hide from him. Even if we descend into hell, we still can't escape his presence. Psalm 139, verse 8. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold thou art there. Santa is eternal, immutable, omnipresent, omnipotent. Think of the things Santa can do, things none of the rest of us can do. Santa can fly around the world. Santa can call upon and command legions of elves to make and manufacture toys and gifts in a short space of time. Nothing is impossible for Santa. Don't you see what's going on? Can you see that Santa is a counterfeit? That he's a fraud? For only God is omnipotent. Luke 1 and 37 teaches us that nothing will be impossible with God. And Santa is omniscient. You see, Santa knows all about you. After all, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town, he's making a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. He knows all about you. But only God is omniscient. Psalm 139, verse 1-4 to O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down under acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Santa is eternal, immutable, omnipresent, omnipotent, It is Santa who gives us good things. It is Santa who brings us great presents. I actually never knew anyone who got the coal or the ashes from Santa. Oh, see the connection with fire there. Even though I was told about a wee boy who was bad and got up on Christmas morning only to find ashes in his stocking, I never found out who that wee boy was, Santa brings us good things. Santa blesses us. But of course that's not true, is it? Where do all good gifts come from? James tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 17. He says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So Santa, to my mind, looks and sounds far too much, like a counterfeit deity. But the other side of that equation, of course, is that children are taught to regard him as such. We teach our children to believe in Santa. We engender in them a simple childlike faith in a man that they can't see. We ask them to send him a list of our wants and needs. Make your make your note out for Santa. It's almost like you're praying to Santa and we teach them to expect his coming and we teach them to be thankful to him for all his good gifts. It was Santa who brought me these lovely presents. And that's not what we're to teach our children. Sure, it's not. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6 to 7. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. We teach our children to believe in Santa, and we teach our children to behave for Santa. Remember that in order to get these good gifts from Santa, children have to do something. They must do good things. They must be good. Santa's gifts are not given out of love for the child. You have to earn Santa's favour. You have to do good works. The Santa religion, you see, is counterfeit to Christianity. It's like Catholicism and Mormonism and Unitarianism. There is no grace for the sinner. You have to clean up your life and do good works in order to be saved. And you're teaching children false religion. And isn't that bound to be a bad thing? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. Ephesians two verse eight to nine. Now let's draw this all together. We teach our kids to believe in Santa, and they believe with all their hearts, and they do all their good works, and they write their wee notes, and they put them up the chimney, and they hang up their stockings at the fireplace where the Norse men had their altar to their false God, and Santa rewards them with good gifts. And this continues, right up until they begin to realise that something's not quite right, and then what happens? We have to admit to them that everything we have taught them about their godlike Norseman is all false. It's a lie, and we totally shatter their world, and we give Satan the victory. For then when we tell them about the one true God who loves them and gives them every good gift, why would they believe us? In Belfast I was ridiculed for teaching that. For teaching that Santa is a devilish tactic used by Satan himself to destroy the simple faith of children while they are still at a tender age. I haven't changed my mind. I don't know about you, but I know a counterfeit when I see one. In one church where I was the pastor, we had a children's meeting. We called it the 6.30 Club. It was well attended and we had singing and a Bible story and prayers. One night just before Christmas, we were doing the story of Jesus' birth and one of the children mentioned Santa, one of the helpers. An older lady who was single and never had any children told the child quite forcefully, No, Santa doesn't exist. It's your mummy and daddy that buy you the presents. The wee boy was about six and he was totally distraught and he went straight home and told his parents who were extremely angry and refused to allow him back. He never had the opportunity to hear the gospel again. Well, at least not at that meeting. But I don't blame that woman too much. She simply blurted out the truth. I blamed Santa. I blamed Satan. So what do we do? Well whether we like it or not, our boys and girls, our children are going to learn about Santa. Of course they will. They'll learn about him in school and they'll read about him in books And they learn about him from other children and from their television programs. How can Christians respond? One Christian parent used to tell their child that the presents they receive on Christmas Day were a gift from your father, Christmas. Okay, that's a bit vague. Here's a better strategy, I think. First of all, I think we should teach them some simple church history. Why not point them to a real person who really lived? Saint Nicholas of Myra was born around AD 270 into a Christian family and he grew up to love the Lord Jesus. He became a pastor and a teacher and was elected to be the leader, or some people would say the bishop, of the church at Myra, which is in modern southern Turkey. He faithfully served God. He preached and defended true doctrine. He loved and served his neighbours. His generosity became a legend. He was known for giving gifts to people who didn't deserve them, and he wanted nothing in return. He's supposed to have rescued girls from certain slavery by paying a dowry price for them. But Nicholas was most famous for being one of the delegates at the famous Council of Nicaea in 325 AD where Nicholas and others defended the Orthodox biblical position against the heretic Arius of Alexandria. Arius believed and taught that Jesus didn't exist before the Incarnation. And apparently, Nicholas was so upset at this attack on the deity of Christ that he went up to Arius and punched him on the face, allegedly. Allegedly and that earned him an arrest for assault and a night in prison, but he was quickly reinstated to office. Nicholas died on the 6th of December, AD 343, and after his death he was made a saint. His saint's day is still the 6th of December. Now the Protestant Reformers, our forefathers, weren't too fond of old Saint Nick, though. They believed, as we do, that we are all saints of God, that we don't need to be canonised. So they removed all his statues and banned people from praying to him. They had the right to do so, for it is said that before the Reformation, more prayers were being made to St Nicholas than to any other saint. Only Mary and Jesus had more prayers than Nicholas. Today, we don't pray to saints. But we could remind our children that they are saints if they love God. And like St Nicholas, that they can serve their neighbours and stand up for the gospel. Here's my second strategy. Why not just teach your children that their mummy and daddy love them? I think when we give our children gifts, we should tell them that it is we, their parents, who buy these gifts for them. And that we give them to them, not as a reward for good behaviour, but because we love them so much that we want them to be happy and to love us back. We want to bless them, and we want to be a blessing to them, and for them to be a blessing to us. And hopefully then, they will learn to be grateful, and will learn a valuable biblical lesson, to honour their father and their mother, that their days may be long in the land, which the Lord has given them. Ephesians 6 and verse 1 Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honour thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now why would we want to transfer the honour that is due to us as parents to a false god, a false entity? So strategy number one, teach them some simple church history Number two, teach them that it's their parents who love them. Number three, teach them about Jesus. When our children open their Christmas presents and they're excited and they're thrilled with all the wonderful things that they have, take time to remind them of what that's all about. Tell them about the birth of Christ, about the wise men coming from the East and bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh, gold for a king, frankincense for worship, myrrh for death. Tell about the gift itself, the greatest gift of all, the gift of God's Son given for us, born to die on the cross for us. Tell them about Jesus. Paul said in 2nd Corinthians 9 and 15 Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And lastly, don't tell him any deliberate lies. How bad is it to deliberately and willfully mislead your children? Our children need to hear the truth. In a world that's full of lies and darkness, let them learn what truth is. Remember that even a white lie is still a lie, and that all lies are sinful and are part of Satan's work. Jesus, in John 8 and verse 44, talked about how the devil was a murderer from the beginning. Who speaketh a lie, he is a liar and the father of it. And Proverbs 12 and 22 tells us that lying lips are an abomination onto the Lord. So don't teach your children to be like the children of the world. Teach them to understand the ways of the Lord. Teach them to believe in the one true God, the God of the Bible, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who knows us intimately who is always with us, who never changes, who loves us so much that he gave us the greatest gift of all, a saviour. And the wonderful news is that he loves us and died for us even when we are sinners. We don't have to clean up our lives or to try to be good in order to receive him. Just open your arms and take the gift. Now if that makes me a Grinch as they talk about or if it makes me the anti-Santa, then so be it. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. (music) Thank <music>